Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO, Don Gray from GiveX Information Technology. GiveX trades on the TSX under the symbol GIVX and on the OTC under GIVXF. The company is currently trading at 89 cents with roughly 118 million shares outstanding or about $105 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, yes, uh, Mr. Gray, CEO of GiveX, uh, happy to have you here today. Um, this is a company that we've, uh, Trevor and I have taken a couple looks at in the past and we, we you know, we, we had a chance to, to speak about four or five months ago. Uh, relatively new company, you just got listed this past year. Um, so, you know, very happy to sort of introduce the company to our, our subscriber base. Um, and on that note, Don, I'm going to hand it over to you and uh, allow you to start your presentation. All right, great. Thanks, Paul. Uh, well, GiveX is a company that's been uh, in business actually for over 20 years. It was started my, by myself and my wife over 20 years ago. Started as a small uh, gift certificate uh, company that we sold gift certificates for uh, merchants uh, in the Toronto area online. Uh, and those certificates were then uh, redeemed at the, uh, at the store or at a uh, restaurant. Uh, using a touchstone phone that's how old uh, the technology was back then but we've since grown to a much larger company we have over 300 employees uh, we have clients in over uh, 100 countries uh, we have um, uh, you know we we do a significant amount of business we have 10 data centers with 10 you know in 10 different countries so we actually have operations in 10 countries uh, we have uh, over uh, now almost 113,000 clients uh, client locations uh, the business is fundamentally uh, uh, works around three areas, which I've got here. Engagement, which is our gift and loyalty card programs. Point of sale, which is everything to do with the POS systems at a restaurant location, uh, restaurant and or retail, so not just restaurants. Uh, and because you need a good point of sale system in order to be able to run a loyalty program or a gift card program effectively. And then recently we've just added payments. So to give you kind of a snapshot of how that would work, uh, Second Cup, which is a client of, Can of ours in Canada, uh, started many years ago as a $50 a month uh, gift card client, and they're now uh, over a $300 a month um, you know, full platform client. And if you go into a Second Cup, you can use an app that you've got uh, on your telephone that would allow you to uh, uh, you know, order your coffee in advance or order it online. Uh, that app is uh, something we develop. <clears throat> you can earn loyalty points uh, or pay your bill with the phone. Those are, that's also an app that uh, we developed. Uh, when you go to the, uh, do a touch uh, at, the, at the POS and uh, it orders and, and creates a, a bill or records a transaction, the POS, that's also our, our technology. All of this is uh, uh, kept on a database, which is our uh, cloud-based system, which we developed uh, many, many years ago. Uh, so that uh, we can provide the clients with great analytics and good information. And so our, our strength really as a company is our ability to uh, have all of our uh, functionality working on the same platform. So that's just a, a snapshot of the, of the company. And maybe if you uh, like, I can just kind of go through some highlights uh, from our last uh, annual, well, actually our first financial year 
as a public company. These two, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> we were private right up until uh, basically October of last year, and we went public, and uh, we moved our auditors to uh, KPMG. We had a, a smaller firm that was doing our audit before that. We audited every year. We paid dividends uh, for almost 10 years straight. Uh, we started the company with as little with just over three million dollars in equity over uh, 20 years ago, and uh, never raised any future funds. So we've been very cash. Uh, conservative and very capital uh, uh, careful. Uh, but now, as you can see, I, I think I alluded to uh, over 300 employees, 113,000 client locations. Most important, we have less than a 1% churn. We don't lose clients once we get them. Uh, 10 global offices in over 100 countries and no one client represents more than 2% of our customer base, so of our revenue. So we are not dependent on any one client. If for somebody leaves, we're not, uh, it's not a problem. It's a problem, we don't like losing clients, but it's not gonna have a huge impact on the business. Uh, last year, our revenue grew by 7% uh, to $55 million, uh, even with the pandemic. The last quarter was uh, particularly bad, uh, rough, because, uh, you know, there was more lockdowns that came out uh, in the last quarter, but we still managed to have a, have a good year. Uh, our gross transaction volume, which is all the transaction, the value of the transactions going through our, our, our system, uh, grew by 19% to over $6.5 billion as processed through our systems with our clients. And our gross, our POS transaction volume, which is kind of the newest, you know, a newer part of the business, uh, accounted for almost a billion dollars of that, well, $800 million. So we've, yeah, that part of our business is growing uh, rapidly. Uh, our adjusted EBITDA for the year was 8.3 million, which is slightly down from the previous year. But in 2020, we were able to take advantage of the CEWS. So we had a pretty good uh, you know, EBITDA as a result of uh, you know, getting some benefit from that. This year, we didn't have that same benefit. So in real terms, our EBITDA went up as a percentage of our, of our revenue. And our customer locations, which are $100,000 at the end of the year, but now they're up over 113,000 which is an increase of 5,000, almost 5%. So, you know, during the fiscal year, uh, we have basically, uh, you can see this is our historical information uh, as the company is growing, uh, it grows every year. It's been growing every year since we started. We, uh, our, our basic business, which is a gift and loyalty card business, which started many years ago, is, uh, is the core of our business. Uh, it, it really represents most of our revenue up until uh, uh, probably the last couple of years where the POS business is starting to get more and more um, uh, a bigger part of the business, and it's also providing virtually similar gross profits as uh, the gift card business. Because once you install, because it's a cloud-based POS system, once you've installed the system and put the hardware in, which are basically tablets and some printers, everything else runs on the same platform as our gift card program. So it, it, the, the margins on the monthly service fees uh, are very similar to, which is about 80% which is very uh, for our POS as well as uh, our gift cards and our loyalty programs. <clears throat> payments, when we get, uh, as we add more payments, the revenue model there is we would, uh, we sell uh, uh, payment services for approximately 3% and we may pay, uh, you know, one, one and a half, 2% for that. So we're making uh, about a 50% margin on payments when that starts to um, uh, move uh, more effectively through our system. Right now, it's a small part of our business because we just really launched it uh, in the last part of the last quarter of the year. Um, I mean, I can keep going through this or I can stop and answer any questions or should I just keep running through this deck and then answer questions as later? I, I think, yeah, run, run through the deck and we can always uh, ask questions once you're uh, done. Okay. As that basically here's our three months performance uh, to for the last quarter. As you can see, our transaction volume went down, uh, went up. 
because uh, we have a lot of clients on fixed monthly uh, revenues. That's how we started, how we uh, transitioned to business many years ago. We started moving away from a transaction model and we moved to a flat monthly fee model. So that there, our real focus is to get more and more locations. So we increase the, the volume, uh, uh, we increase the number of locations and then we increase the services that we provide to each location. Uh, again, our EBITDA went down a little bit because the last quarter of last year was uh, was was bumpy for a lot of our clients. So uh, they, uh, you know, if a client doesn't do a transaction during that particular quarter, we wouldn't have recorded it as revenue. And so, you know, we saw some customers actually having to close down in the last quarter of last year. They're all back now. So we're starting to see this uh, recover nicely in the first quarter. Uh, revenue is down slightly for the same uh, basic reason. But overall for the year, we're up over 7%. <clears throat> so again, here is that's the same basic information. Uh, you know, I don't want to kind of uh, you know keep going, but uh, 12 months uh, compared to last 12 months, uh, you know, up over uh, you know seven percent. Uh, we had a uh, you know a growth in um, EBITDA was uh, you know again it was 8.3 compared to nine, but then we had a, a much better uh, boost with CEWS uh, in 2020, almost three million dollars. So the difference is quite significant in real EBITDA. Uh, and then uh, our gross transaction volume continued to grow as did our customer locations. So some of our fourth quarter highlights, we, uh, we, we listed our company on the Toronto Stock Exchange. We went right to the, to the TSX. We didn't go to the Venture Exchange. And at the same time, we raised approximately $22 million. Uh, we now are sitting on, uh, well, at that time, we're close to 37, over $37 million in uh, actual cash and cash equivalents. Uh, we've spent some of that money in the first quarter with a couple of acquisitions, which I'll talk about uh, uh, shortly. Uh, we launched our GiveXPay payment processing solution, which we've been working on for years, or for most for about a year, with uh, Agin, which is a, a global payment processor. So we're a PayFact. We work, Agin is our partner, and they look after all our KYC in the background, but we can now uh, sign clients ourselves and board our own merchants and act as a payment facilitator. Uh, give up Barbarito, uh, to give you an idea, this is one of our clients. They start off with uh, 70 locations. They now have 170 locations. So this is an example of our kind of our um, our clients growing and we grow with the client. Uh, they started off with GiveXBOS, uh, but they ended up becoming, uh, you know, they added our loyalty programs and they added our uh, our wallet and our online ordering. Uh, in uh, for Upticks, which is our storage value ticketing program, we have the Buffalo Bills, Colorado Avalanche, the Blue Jackets all signed up. Uh, you know, and we ended, and we just, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm talking at a speed talk here. Uh, we implemented our end-to-end -end, uh, technology solution for a, a third of uh, Foodtastic's uh, 650 restaurants. Now they've grown over to 800 restaurants, and we're going to be rolling out our, our POS and all of our solutions to all 800 of these restaurants. Uh, importantly, in Brazil, <clears throat> we signed up uh, a company, excuse me a second, I'm just going to have a little sip of water. <laughs> <clears throat> we made a deal with uh, iFood, which was one of the largest, uh, it's a food delivery company that's in uh, in Brazil with over 100,000 riders that are running around on scooters. I don't know if you guys are familiar, if you've ever seen that on TV with uh, people driving mo motorcycles between the cars, but that's what they do. They deliver food, <clears throat> but they also have an application, the iFood app, which is, has other uh, functionality where you can buy pharmacy. It almost works like a little uh, bank wallet. And GiveX is providing the stored value uh, services on that uh, on that wallet, and it's proving to be a very lucrative business for us in uh, in Brazil. And we and they're just expanding it now into Colombia. 
and they expect to drive it more into more South American countries, and that becomes a very, uh, very profitable business for Galax. Uh, we began, we began, uh, uh, yeah, and I think uh, it actually just at the, at the end of the last quarter, uh, Milestones Restaurants, which is a well-established uh, restaurant uh, chain, at least in uh, Eastern Canada, the 40 locations, they flipped their uh, POS system to us. Uh, we did the whole thing in less than two months. Uh, and we have added all the kitchen display systems and all the functionality that goes along with a great POS system. They're using our uh, online ordering and they're also using our uh, uh, web application for, uh, for their uh, uh, mobile app. So basically, how, how does GiveX grow? Like, why, why, you know, what's, why is it a good investment or why is somebody look at it making an investment in the company? Well, we are, a we are a steady growth company. We have been for many years. We grow at an average rate of five to 8% a year just with our existing base uh, growing. The client's growth, for example, Marriott, which is one of our clients globally, started off with 2,000 hotels. They now have 5,000 hotels. So that, that client grows, we grow. Uh, we also are doing outreach for our gift and loyalty card programs and we're signing new merchants all the time and with RFPs, we're winning RFPs. But that traditionally has just been like five to 10% a year. We've been a consistent growth every year on a nice even keel. But we don't want to consist we don't want to grow at five to 10% a year. So we're starting to look at doing a more aggressive uh, uh, acquisition program. And to that end, we made two acquisitions in the first quarter of this year. Uh, we bought a company called Kalex for, uh, you know, that does about $5 million a year in Canadian and revenue. And uh, their, their, their focus is on installations of POS systems. And they have some of the largest brands in Canada where they do their, uh, like KFC, Pizza Pizza, Harry Rosen, are, you know, these are some of their clients uh, that uh, they actually do uh, uh, technical services for. We bought that company for two reasons. One, right, to get access to the client base so that we can actually start selling our gift and loyalty card programs, not necessarily our POS because they, we, those are well established. But we really, we wanted to be able to sell them our gift and loyalty card programs, which we've been successful. In. We know we can do because Pizza Pizza, for example, is already a client of GiveX. So we know that these customers are a potential opportunity for us. But the real reason was to get the expertise that John Beaton and the, the team over at Kalex is bringing to the company to help us improve the way we do large rollouts and acquisition. Uh, when we do uh, you know, sign large clients like Foodtastic with uh, 700 locations, we wanna make sure that we, we can do those uh, effectively. And he's already started at great value uh, simply in, in, in the buying side, et cetera. So that's, that's proving to be a, and this company, like both the acquisitions uh, has no debt, has been profitable for years. So we're not buying a problem uh, that we have to fix. Uh, Loyalty Lane is the other one. It's a company in, uh, in the United States. They've been around for 15 years. They're a, a, a company that specializes in loyalty for grocery. So the grocery, grocery stores, you know, they have couponing, very specialized couponing, uh, where you, uh, you know, for uh, Procter & Gamble may offer a coupon. Uh, you as a consumer want to use that coupon. You, basically that has to get together at the point of sale system to make sure that the POS, uh, you know, deducts the value of the coupon and then the uh, Procter & Gamble ends up paying the, uh, the merchant for the uh, discount. So these are programs that these guys have been working on for years and they're very effective uh, at, uh, at the job and what they're doing there. Again, it came with no debt. Uh, very, and so th that, those two companies will add a comfortable $10 million. It's just what they have, you know, just bringing in from, from last year. They're going to grow for sure. So it'll definitely be more than that. So, you know, with GiveX's normal growth this year and with uh, these, uh, with these two acquisitions and others that I'm certainly looking at, 
uh, we're looking at uh, you know pretty comfortably you know, seeing a sixty-eight to seventy million dollar uh, growth you know year for twenty twenty-two, uh, and that's just off the data that's already available. So I'm not really doing anything other than you know saying what's already in the news. <laughs> uh, I, we have the other part of our business we land and expand, uh, which I have explained a little bit before. All of our existing customers now we have 113,000 locations. Our objective, obviously, we're not going to deal with all of them, but hopefully, 10 to 15 percent of those clients over the next couple of years, we will sell them all of our services, so they become uh, much more high-value clients. So instead of being a $50 client, as I said, they become a $300 a month client. So we have been successful doing that, and we believe that we're that uh, we'll be more and more successful with this as we go because our POS systems today are much more. Uh, robust uh, and uh, work much more effectively than they did a couple of years ago uh, with, you know, with many years of uh, experience now behind them. Uh, and, and we're now being known as a gift, as a POS company before, we were just known as a gift card company or a loyalty company. Now uh, we're being seen as a very effective uh, POS uh, provider. Uh, uh, Barb, you know, I, I, and I talked about Barbarito already to give you an idea. Uh, and organic growth, of course, will continue to grow. Uh, we, we're out there bidding on RFPs. Uh, we've, won, we've won two very large RFPs at the beginning of uh, this year, uh, which uh, will probably be worth uh, significant. I can't, really can't talk about them too much, but uh, they're, they're large RFPs worth many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to the company. So we're satisfied that, you know, that we will continue to see our organic growth continue to move at 5 to 8% a year. We had these uh, accelerate that with uh, M&A and more land and expand. Uh, we should be able to see some uh, some uh, faster growth uh, for the years coming. But yet always at a profit. <clears throat> my, my objective had always been from the day I started was to make sure that we always were growing the business at a rate that, uh, that made sense and that we would always have a positive EBITDA. Uh, this year we came out with a 15% EBITDA. Uh, and I expect to continue to do that as we grow the company. We'll continue to be at uh, you know twelve percent to fifteen, up to eighteen percent EBITDA as the company grows. And I think there was a you know, we're quite confident uh, that we'll continue to maintain uh, those uh, EBITDA margins because the type of companies that I'll acquire will fit that model uh, as I as I acquire more companies uh, in the in the year uh, eighteen months ahead. <clears throat> the the size of the GiveX, the market for engagement, point of sale, and payment, which is our three core areas, is huge. There is no one uh, competitor of ours or anybody out there in the market that even comes close to dominating this market. You look at the largest of people, other companies out there like NCR uh, or uh, Fleet Corps or Dio Systems, Fiserv, Tesis. Uh, in all their market segments, none of them come close to dominating their markets. So there's plenty of room for, for companies like GiveX to uh, grow from a 70 or 50 or a $60 million company to a three to $400 million company uh, without uh, really, you know, you know, really dominating the market or even trying to dominate the market. And we can do it profitably. We don't have to go out there and try and buy a huge market share, which some of our competitors have tried to do, uh, which hasn't really been proven uh, overly successful. But uh, that's what they—that's that's the attempt. And we, we didn't want to buy into that market or into that uh, concept to, to spend all of the money that we raise or all the money we're doing to go out there and uh, and just try market buy market share. We think we can earn market share. Uh, we've done a good job at it, and we're going to continue to do it. Uh, this uh, what I consider to be more of a focused, uh, um, conservative way. 
basically, I've already alluded to what we do and how we do it. We have our three main platforms with engagement, payments, and point of sale. But also with that, that uh, along with that, we have integrations. Because GiveX started as a POS company, or pardon me, as a uh, gift card company uh, over 20 years ago, we had to learn how to do integrations with virtually all the POS companies uh, that are in our core markets. Uh, we had to integrate with the payment platforms uh, because often our, our gift card programs, even some of the loyalty programs were actually on payment terminals. So we have well over a thousand uh, integrations and or APIs that uh, we can integrate with virtually anybody. So the concept is we want everybody, we want our clients to be on our platform. We want them to only use our platform if they can, if they can because it gives them one throat to choke. But at the other side of the coin, there are customers that just say, sorry, Don, we, we just can't use your POS system, but we'd love to use your gift and loyalty card program. No problem. Or they want to use our POS system, but they already have an existing loyalty program. No problem. So the concept is we want to provide our clients with flexibility so that we, we can get in the door, start working with them, and then sell them more services over time uh, if, we, if we can. So we can start with one and, and uh, add more later. And then, of course, we want to be able to, to provide clients with great analytics. It's no point in having all this great technology if you cannot use it, if it doesn't come in a package that makes it easy to understand. Uh, we looked at uh, analytics programs for a couple of years, uh, uh, two or three years ago. And uh, the more we looked at them, the more complex they got. Most of our clients would not have the technical team in place to be able to look after them. Uh, they wouldn't be able to continue to load the data in they needed from their third-party uh, systems. And so we decided to build our own that would run on the same platform as uh, all of our other services. So now our analytics is an integral part of what we do. So you have your gift programs, your loyalty programs, your POS systems, all the stuff to do with KDS or speed of service, your, uh, your uh, payment platform when it's, as it's now being added in there. So now you get all this data, as rich, rich data that we can then help our clients know who their clients are, where they are, what they're buying, what the trends are in certain areas, uh, any, you know, age, uh, sex, everything uh, that if people are opting in, you can gather this data, uh, which makes it a much more effective way of uh, marketing to your client base. So that's what our basic business is, is to kind of put all this together on one platform and to make sure that, and, and then sell that to our clients uh, one step at a time or the whole enchilada, if we can. Basically, why do people choose us over our competitors? Well, we have, uh, you know, we've, we've invested because we have one of our largest uh, clients in the U.S. as a, as a major U.S. bank where we do their back-end uh, gift card portfolio. It's a big client for, of ours, very uh, significant customer, but it's a U.S. bank and they are very, very uh, uh, security focused. So as a result, we put together our own security protocols. We are PCI uh, uh, level one compliant, which means we can handle payments online or at a, at a POS device. Uh, we go through a PCI audit every year. We do SOC, SOC 1, SOC 2 audits. Uh, we have uh, all these uh, third-party uh, questionnaires and third-party compliance audits that we do. So we basically can count, we can go after any large client because we pass all of these security protocols, which is very important. The companies that we've acquired, for example, none of them would have this security protocols in place. They wouldn't have the ability to go after major clients because they don't have those, uh, their, their data centers or their systems don't have the same level of security uh, that, uh, um, that we have on our systems. Uh, we have uh, an extensive API lab, uh, library, as I alluded to before. We're very competitive priced because uh, GiveX works on, on open source platforms. Uh, we're Unix-based. We don't work on Microsoft Azure or on uh, AWS. So as our business grows, 
the cost of our business doesn't grow at the same, you know, basically the same speed as our revenue. We can keep our costs down because really we can add data centers uh, for the cost of, uh, you know, quite nominal for the cost of some servers and uh, and a couple thousand dollars a month and, uh, uh, you know, rack space. Uh, so that's why we've been able to set up data centers in different parts of the world, uh, which makes us quite unique in the business. Even our largest competitors tend to have all of their data centers in the United States and all of the clients around the world have to you know, connect to into the US to do their work. This is making some people in European markets and Asian markets uncomfortable. They don't want their data out moving outside of their own jurisdictions. So we have data centers in, uh, you know, in uh, Asia, we have data centers in Australia, we have them in South in the United States, we have them in Canada and Europe and the UK. So, you know, we are in the position where we can say, well, the data stays uh, in the local uh, jurisdiction or local area. And uh, we also operate in these different languages and different currencies. So we operate in many languages and currencies, and we are unique in that respect. Even our big competitors uh, are, you know, a lot of them can't say that they operate in many languages, many currencies in, in different countries with local data. So there's a lot of localization. And as a result of that, we're also uh, very flexible. As I talked about before, we're upgrading our services constantly. We invest millions of dollars a year uh, in upgrading our software. On a, on a regular basis, every four times a year, we're doing upgrades for our system. And the nice thing about a cloud-based system is we're only running one version. We don't have versioning systems where you have to worry about different versions of the software. Uh, we have extensive reporting and a single source, which I uh, talked about before. So really, when it gets down to it, clients choose us because we have excellent service. We have uh, continuous improvement. We continue to look after ourselves. We have strong references, all of our clients are good references for GiveX, and that equals uh, small churn, upsell opportunities, and a constant flow of new opportunities. Give you an idea of some of our clients. <clears throat> We've got them kind of segmented here by restaurants, uh, Wendy's, Swiss Chalet, AW, Focus Brands. These are, uh, you know, Canadian Focus Brands, US, uh, iFood is in. Uh, in Brazil, we've got a lot, you know, this is just some that I think people would recognize. Uh, we've got some retail stores, Tonga Bahamas, Fannie Mae, which is a confectionery group out of the US, 7-Eleven in Australia and uh, parts of the US. Uh, and we have uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL are all clients of ours, not, not necessarily all teams, but most of the teams in the MLB are, uh, where we provide a value-added ticketing so you can add value to a ticket uh, when you go to a game, you, you know, instead of using cash, you can use the ticket as a way to purchase uh, items uh, at, the, at the ball game. You can load it before you go. And it's now moving to an app so you can do in-seat in ordering and, all, and so that sort of thing. And that's one of the reasons we're able to sell Major League uh, Sports, uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which you see on the far right-hand side. Uh, they were actually very interested in some of this stuff. Uh, starting off with a gift card program, but they, we expect that they'll be moving uh, to upticks over the next year. Uh, and in the hotels, we do, uh, uh, one of our retailers, by the way, which is not on this list, because we are restricted on what we can put out on uh, uh, public documents, but we can talk about them. And Nike is, we've done Nike globally. We do all the Nike stores around the world for the gift card program. Uh, we've done that for over 15 years. Uh, in the hotel side, uh, we've got Marriott Hotels, which is one of our clients been with us at the same time, 15 years. Fairmont, Best Western, Carlson, Residor, and others. 
uh, you know, MGM Resorts in, in Macau, where we do some really interesting things for them. And then Canada, we do almost all of the liquor stores in Canada. Uh, pretty well, I think all of them. So I'm not sure there's one that we don't do, and I can't remember which one, but we do all the liquor control boards in the country where we do the gift card programs, LCBO. We do OLG in, uh, in, uh, in Ontario as well. So just to give you an idea, we have a, a wide range of clients, very large ones, uh, with you know Wendy's with eleven thousand locations and small ones, with one location, so we run the gamut. Okay, that's kind of it. That's our board. I can talk about that, but then you know, so this is our. That was kind of my overall pitch. I think I got that done in uh, twenty minutes. I did a great job. Good. Great job. <laughs> great job. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about sort of general directions. Um, when it comes to new products, you guys, you mentioned you're spending a lot of money in R&D, but give us a sense of like, where, where do you take that R&D? Where do you want to, you know, improve your technology or what areas you want to, uh, you know, go after? Well, a lot of our, well, a lot of R&D is, is client driven. Customers are asking for new functionality. They see it somewhere they want it. So, you know, like for example, two years ago, we didn't do kitchen display systems. Well, we added kitchen display systems because that helps improve the speed of service towards the kitchen. You can measure how long it takes from the time somebody sits to the time it goes to the kitchen and how long it takes for various courses and everything. So, you know, that was driven by clients asking us to do it. So we built it and now we sell it regularly to our clients. Uh, we spent a lot of time and energy on um, payment uh, on uh, GiveX Pay because we wanted to get into the payments space because you know a lot of our competitors are there. So we we focus on that. We'll continue to enhance that. Where we can do this now in Canada, we're about to launch it, so we can do payment in all of our markets around the world. Mm -hmm. So there's significant there's work that has to be done on that, but uh, it's pretty well ready to go. And I've got a I've got a team of uh, I call them my Skunk Works team, uh, University of Waterloo, mm -hmm. and we're working on things like how do we how you know how can we do uh, things like virtual reality? Uh, where you know can we get into the metaverse in some way for gift cards? Can we get into the metaverse for loyalty programs? We're tinker with ideas like that. I'm not saying we're going to do any of them, but we can mm -hmm. tinker and we do tinker with concepts. Uh, because you never know where they're going to go. We're also looking at crypto as we, what can we do with uh, gift cards and, um, you know, because there's a huge opportunity to potentially do uh, crypto uh, gift cards uh, mm. or be able to take your gift cards and put them in a crypto wallet. Lots of little ideas there, you know, that are the concepts are there, but, you know, we can flesh those out. So, that, I mean, if, so we will we'll continue to work in the same general area that we're in we're not going to go too far out of our field like we're not mm -hmm. going to start figuring out how to you know um, we're going to stay in hospitality retail uh you know grocery now because we're, we're in grocery uh we are looking at things like uh, you know um you know uh you know basically hands-free uh grocery shopping how do you do that or you know staff lounges where you know you can do hands-free where you can order off a, th uh, a kiosk etc so our 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 R and D will continue to be you know to strengthen the product that we already have, and our acquisitions will be the same thing to actually find more uh, clients that are um, uh, or find more uh, locations uh, that we can sell our services into. So we'll be buying companies that will help us make that happen. <clears throat> and and you touched on it earlier, but give us a sense: um, is it a monthly fee that somebody pays? You mentioned it's not transactionally based; it's a, a set fee. But is it a monthly uh, basis or do they pay over a year? How long the contracts? What, what can you tell us there? Uh, the clients, uh, it, 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 well, it varies. Uh, we mm -hmm. have, 
the majority of our clients, probably 80, more than 80%, pay us on a monthly basis. <clears throat> so there's a monthly fee based on the number of locations they've got. Some clients are, say they're small, maybe they only do maybe 15 or $20,000 worth of uh, uh, business with us in a year. Uh, we would probably do a flat rate with them where we just sell them the whole thing up front. They buy it and they use as much as they can. It may take them six months, may take them a year, maybe take them 18 months, but they buy it all up front. Uh, you know, we don't, if they buy it and don't use it, that's their problem. If they buy it and they use it, then that's great. Then they'll buy more from us. So we call that a client, a real recurring revenue, not recurring revenue. Recurring mm -hmm. revenue is the stuff that comes out every month. And our real recurring revenue, we have, we have some of that as well, because the client's definitely going to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, we have some clients where they are, you know, um, you know, they're kind of on, they are on a traditional transaction model. Uh, because that's more around payments and that pretty well you have to do it around payments, uh, transaction mm -hmm. model. Payments. <clears throat> and so that'll be yeah. part of the bit. We'll, we'll see more transactions as a result of payments uh, over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I think I heard you say you've got something like 113,000 sites that, that you um, sort of work with. Um, what, give, give me a sense of what, what's your cost of acquisition for either site or client or however you measure it. What, what can you tell us? If we're buying a, a company or if we're buying or if we're selling a site? I, 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 well, every time you go and get a customer, what does it typically cost you to get that customer, do you think? Well, I guess we would have to look at our, um, you know, our gross margin uh, is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on our business on a regular basis is 80%. So let's say our cost of acquisition is probably half of the 20% cost of sales. In other words, mm -hmm. the cost of going out the sales team, uh, people going out there, and our customer uh, service managers, client relationship management team that would be half of that 20%. The other half of that uh, 20% would be real direct costs associated with, say, mm -hmm. plastic cards or with, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe data center rentals, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say it's like, uh, you know, probably 10%. Right. Five, you know, probably eight to ten percent of our revenue. Yeah. Now you you mentioned RFP, so that's clearly one way you get clients. But um, is this sort of door knocking type of sales? How do you how do you oh, yeah. get we, clients? We definitely, we have over thirty thousand names in our client relationship or in our lead tracking tool. We have a, a team uh, almost fifteen. Uh, well, 15 salespeople and we have uh, mm -hmm. about five you know, kind of lead generators that are out there pounding the phones all the time in all of our markets. So it's not like we just do this in, in Canada or the mm -hmm. United States, everywhere we're, we're pounding on, we're, we're introducing ourselves to as many people as we can. And then we follow them up through our, uh, through our tool so that we are, uh, you know, so yeah, we're definitely doing outreach all the time. Uh, that's, uh, that's how we're able to, uh, you know, attract RFPs. Mm -hmm. RFPs are something we pretty well have to do now on any client that's over $300,000 a year. You pretty well have to do an RFP. That's become very impersonal. A lot of these RFPs now are all automated. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of just put your data in and, and then hopefully they ask you good questions and make some mm -hmm. good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you mentioned your churn is, is less than 1%, so clearly you're keeping your clients, but um, how, how long, is there any contractual obligation with these clients? All of, our, all of our clients initially sign up for a minimum, usually it's three years, some five years, okay. but okay. every contract has an automatic annual renewal. So everybody renews automatically every year. So mm -hmm. we don't, 
we don't go and talk to the clients again. Okay, we want you to resign. They automatically resign. Right. And uh, so customers that have been with us for many years have got kind of the original contract, and it's just been renewing and renewing and renewing. Mm -hmm. uh, and some customers will want to actually go in and then renegotiate the contract or discuss it, and you know, so then we'd sign a new contract with new features and and mm -hmm. so on. But uh, yeah, so our we all, every client is under contract, uh, and uh, you know we are uh, for sure, and every contract. Uh, to start is at least three years, maybe five, mm -hmm. and then it's an automatic renewal after that. <clears throat> now, once you have a client, uh, how how difficult is it? Would it be for them if they decided to switch to a competitor or just decide to go in a different direction? I got to imagine it's it's pretty disruptive to to change at this point. Yeah, it's not. If it's uh, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, it's done because that's how we pick up clients from our competitors because. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in, for gift cards, um, it's not that, not that hard because, mm. you know, there's a database, uh, you want to pick up the database of cards that, you know, what the cards are outstanding, um, and, uh, and transfer them over where the issue becomes is on the uh, point of sale, because usually it's the point of sale integration where mm. a lot of the issues would be because of the customer, uh, if we, if we don't have, or they don't have, a, a, a an integration with us uh, for POS, and it's pretty hard for us to do it. But at the same time, uh, you know, if our competitors uh, are trying to take some of our clients, then they better have a pretty robust uh, set of, uh, of integrations because we've integrated with virtually everybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's loyalty is a little more difficult because uh, there's a lot more data involved in loyalty, and you want the historical information. You want to be going back many many years, so it gets richer. So it's definitely more difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, payments, I don't think, is that going to be that difficult at all to change. Mm -hmm. so, you know, obviously, we're going to be doing that, but uh, yeah. So, okay. Okay. Uh, we don't lose the clients, uh, but it, in, in, but it's not that difficult to change a gift card client, which is good because you know we don't lose them, but we we can pick them up. You can pick them up from others. Yeah, yeah. Um, the what, what kind of insider position is there in the company? How much uh, how much do founders and insiders own in the, the, the overall company? Well, uh, myself and my wife uh, control close to forty million of the hundred eighteen million shares that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, another two um, shareholders of about uh, twenty five million between them. Okay. Uh, they're they're not really they're I guess you'd call them and they're not insiders. They're just larger shareholders. Mm -hmm. They were some of my initial shareholders, but they're not, other than by, by virtue of their size, but they're not insiders, not, not privy to inside data. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the rest of it's free trading. Mm -hmm. uh, right the, um, the, the large blocks are, uh, you know, they're, they're under certain restrictions at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we should see them. We'll probably see some of that come out in the next couple of months, mm -hmm. half of it, and then half of it again in another uh, I think four months after that. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you know, you raise you raised some money when you uh, got listed. Um, I think you said you had thirty seven million dollars in cash prior to the two acquisitions you did. Um, so, by my math, you got about twenty six million dollars in, in the bank right now, give or take. Um, no, it's over thirty two. Oh, 30. over thirty two. Okay, then bad math in my part. Thirty two at the moment. Okay, good. Um, do you foresee cash, and cash equivalents? Type okay, of sure, sure. Um, do, do you see? I mean, is your MA pipeline strong enough where you might have to go back to the the markets, or do you think you can continue to sort of so, grow your business so with what you have? 
the way we do, way I do my deals, first of all, I'm not trying to buy companies that are doing $30 million in revenue. I'm looking for clients that are doing five to seven, you know, that's mm -hmm. kind of the range. That's the hot spot mm -hmm. that are run by an entrepreneur having for at least five years. Uh, they probably have hit a wall now on, on being able to kind of take the company to the next level. They don't have the capital. Uh, they have good, maybe they have good, some good tech or they've got some good market penetration. Uh, maybe it's a windows based uh, POS system and they just don't want to invest any more money in getting it PCI compliant, things like that. So we, by acquiring a company like that, like we did with Loyalty Lane, for example, a lot of great tech, but they were getting to the point where they need more, but they couldn't afford to invest more because they would need to raise more money to do it. So mm -hmm. for them, it made more sense to sell the company. And when they, when we bought, when we buy the companies, we do a combination of cash, some vendor take back, a little mm -hmm. bit of bank debt, uh, and then some give X equity. So we do a combination of these things so I can leverage 22 million or 30 million, you know, I mean, really I, I, I targeted the $22 million that we raised really to focus on, on, uh, on acquisitions because GiveX will, is always cash flow positive. So we've never really needed money. We, we raised money back when, you know, years ago and we never had to raise any money after that. Mm -hmm. We continue to build our bank account. So yeah, we, we don't really, so the business generates cash nicely. And then our, you know, the, we, we raise the money for the acquisitions, but if, between the act, between the, the shares and the cash and the vendor take back and mm -hmm. some bank debt, we've got a kind of a little toolbox there that I can mm -hmm. go after these deals and I'll pay. I won't pay anywhere near what any of these other guys are paying. Like I only mm -hmm. paid one and a half times for the, for loyalty lane. You know, so that one and a half times our revenue. Uh, historical revenue, not even for, mm. for forward-looking mm. revenue, and for Kalex, they only paid half of their revenue revenue stream because they don't have any real technology. Mm. It was just more of a services business. So, you know, I'll be very conservative on on uh, what we're buying now. Of course, if some massive, great, huge, interesting opportunity comes along, mm. uh, I have my bankers all primed up. They're willing, more than willing to kind of work with us. So, but you know, I'm not not uh, that's. I don't expect that we will be doing anything like that where we would. Uh, you know, going to dad, huge dad or anything like that to try and uh, you know, continue to grow the company. Uh, right now, yeah. I'm also, you know, the stock uh, at the price it's at, I think it's, uh, it's pretty cheap. So we're being careful too about giving away our stock on any acquisitions. And if mm -hmm. I do, I'll be doing it at a premium anyway. So mm -hmm. we're not going to be doing it at a discount. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, what, what are the challenges you're facing right now? Where, where, where are the speed bumps? My biggest challenge has always been the same challenge is, uh, uh, is people, making sure that we can not only recruit, but keep good people. Now, mm -hmm. we're very lucky. I've got people working for me for, that have been working with us for over 15 years. Uh, we've got a very strong core group that uh, owns stock in the company. They're shareholders. Mm -hmm. They uh, they're have a, um, a vested interest in staying with the business, but they've, but more importantly, they've been with us for 10 years, 12 years, mm -hmm. 15 years. So they're not going anywhere. They really like the company. They know, you know, there's great opportunities. Uh, but as we grow the business, we need new people. As we're hiring new people and getting them into the company, uh, it's a challenge because uh, we're competing against, uh, you know, in Toronto, you know, we're competing against Amazon. We're competing against Google. We're competing mm -hmm. against Microsoft. It, you know, it's like uh, in the Toronto area. So as a result, uh, we've now got more than half of our client services team working out of Mexico because we can recruit in Mexico at a third of the cost, the cost is in Toronto and we can, uh, helps us keep our costs down and where they're great people, very smart, um, multiple language speakers, 
and uh, so we're, 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 we're probably going to continue to grow that out. So, but that's our biggest challenge. Our second biggest challenge is to make sure that GiveX, we get our, main, our name out there, our message, know who we are, uh, not only from, uh, from uh, selling our services, because, you know, people know us as a gift card company, but they, you know, just beginning to get to know us as a platform company. Mm -hmm. That's important. So, you know, getting out there, you know, making, you know, talking to guys like yourselves and others to try and let people know who we are, that it's a good solid company, been around for years and uh, is going to be here for many more. And, uh, you know, we pay attention to our management, and how we run the company so that we look after our, our investors. We, the initial, original investors in GiveX uh, all did very well uh, when we took the company public. Um, uh, you know, not, very few of them want to sell. They're, they, mm -hmm. they think we can continue to uh, grow the business. They will sell, obviously, if they, at the right price. But they're, uh, you know, a lot of them are sticking with it. Fair enough. Um, let's take a couple questions from the listeners here. I've got one here um, in regards to your marketing. Well, sales and marketing expense, it says, was less than 2% of revenues. Is there an opportunity to increase to drive organic growth? 2% of revenues? I said 10%. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said 2%, but let, let's let's assume, well, pick any number. Is there an opportunity to, to grow that? Would you be willing to spend more money on, on sales and marketing? Uh, well, I think we're we're always looking to spend. Yeah, we'll spend more money on sales and marketing because as the company grows, we'll have more revenue, more cash flow to spend on sales and marketing. Uh, you know, we certainly by uh, these acquisitions are also going to uh, you know bring in more sales and uh, sales and marketing teams. Um, but I'll still want to keep that within uh, within reason so that we're not uh, yeah, you know blowing our brains out on, uh, mm -hmm. on spending money on sales and marketing. Uh, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. What I know works is getting out there and, and um, talking to customers, uh, which we do quite effectively. So we'll continue to spend money doing that for sure. But uh, you know, I'm not going to go and spend uh, many, many millions of dollars, for example, on a ad campaign or or something like that because I just don't. <clears throat> we we tried that a few times and it just doesn't seem to to work. Uh, so we, we stay away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, the other question here, now, I, I'm not sure if you guys have an NCIB in place, but the question is, given the company is trading at 9x EV to EBITDA, can you talk about how you evaluate share buybacks versus acquiring new companies? I'm not, it, we, we won't be doing any share buybacks because it's okay. not a, we didn't raise the money based on that. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't talk to our investors and say, look, I'm going to you know, raise money, then I'm going to go buy it back at a discount. Uh, we don't want to do that. We, yeah. I think the market... We've just started, we, we, we listed on the OTC a month, uh, well, about a month ago, we actually got the listing. Uh, we don't have our DTC underwriting yet. That's gonna be another week, apparently. You know, that takes a bit of time before we can actually trade on the over-the-counter market. <clears throat> so I believe that once we, and we have a lot of Americans interested in, in buying the stock, um, but they just don't wanna buy it because, uh, you know, they, it costs more money to buy directly on the, on the TSC. Uh, without, uh, you know, but if on the OTC, then the cost is much better cost base. So we hope that we'll get more action on the stock and uh, see the price, you know, get closer to what I think our peers are. I mean, on an enterprise value, I think we're trading at probably eight times. Uh, and I think we should be closer to maybe 12 or 13. You know, I mean, if I look at just conservatively against some of our peers, but if I'm looking against, uh, uh, you know, multiples of revenue, we're way under. So, you know, it's kind of a, under no, it's just a, you know, but 
you know, I like to be conservative and say that our, our, our you know, if, if we look at a conservative mm -hmm. metrics, and I think you know, we still have a, we have a nice upside on our stock, and we have an analyst uh, that mm -hmm. uh, did did a did a review on the company, and you know, he's pretty he's much more bullish than me, <laughs> on uh, which is good, I guess, uh, on what what he thinks the company will do. Yeah, but you know, Mike, my, my investors, I think the people who bought in, a lot of the uh, investors that bought in uh, on the on the on the listing uh are in it for a long haul nobody's in it to to make short-term money they they believe that this is a you know a longer it is you know it's we're here for a while it's not a flip sort of yeah. deal mm -hmm. yeah fair enough um i mean you're, you're relatively new you're, you've been around for roughly you know six months or so as a public listing um how, how are you how are you getting your message out what are you finding that's working as far as getting your message out about the about the company well, we, we're working with what we, well, I guess they call them service providers, people that supposedly have a long list of people that are, mm -hmm. you know, that follow them. Uh, so I've been doing interviews probably two or three a week, similar to what I'm doing right now mm -hmm. uh, with uh, people. I've, uh, you know, video calls, uh, I've done um, magazine reviews, I've done online magazine reviews. Or, you know, so I'm just basically out there talking as much as I can to as many people as I can mm -hmm. to try and get the, get the message out. Uh, we also have our, you know, GiveX is up and trade shows doing our marketing from our services perspective. But I'm doing as much as I can to uh, talk the talk and get out there and talk to as many people as we can. So we've, we've got four service providers. And once we get going in the U.S., we'll probably get two or three more that are focused only on the U.S. market. And mm -hmm. uh, see if that will help. And what, would, what I say was working, I don't really know what's working yet mm -hmm. because for me, the stock has kind of stayed where it is. So nothing's working yet. As far as I <laughs> so, uh, you know, the stock is, I think it should have, should be going up. There's not many people buying, but there's nobody selling. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a, that's kind of a conundrum, right? Nobody, there's nobody wants to sell it at these, at these prices, not many. And mm -hmm. there's, uh, in the, but maybe buyers to start buying at a higher price, there'll be more sellers, mm -hmm. but that's how I am. You guys probably know way more about the market than I do. You know, I'm, I'm an operator and I'm trying yeah. to learn the market. Yeah. I am learning, I'm learning well, it fast. <laughs> yeah, we've been at it a long time. We're still having a hard time understanding the market yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe just a, a minute or so on this as, as we get closer to wrapping up. But uh, the board of directors, we always find it's interesting, um, you know, especially with smaller companies. Uh, the, the board composition and, you know, where, where do you see the strengths of the board? And, and if anything, do, do you anticipate some, some holes to fill or any, any skill sets that you'd like to see uh, added? Well, as far as the board's concerned, we've got a good balanced board. We've got people that have experience on the board. So we have a you know, public company experience. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Carr is a, was a, uh, an entrepreneur that uh, sold his business to CDW, made a fair bit of money, and then became a and he now is a CEO of another another company, uh, so he's uh, you know got a lot of uh, experience, a lot of connections uh, for sure. Jim is an experienced uh, CFO, been uh, around for many years, and he did a phenomenal job of getting our uh, first. Well, we had to change over our audit from a smaller auditor to KPMG, and we had to get that all done in a very short period of time. And our first getting this our audit done and completed. Uh, KPMG came in and we had three weeks to get the whole thing done and we got the whole thing completed and got it done all with with very few issues and they gave us a huge compliment that you know our systems our process our procedures mm -hmm. and everything that we have are, are excellent 
Now, Jim is responsible for some, but I'm responsible for a lot of them too, because they put them in place years ago. So, you know, he he's got, brings a lot of expertise there. Rob Monroe has been uh, involved in uh, doing these, um, you know, uh, reverse takeovers. Uh, mm-hmm. He's done, you know, 12 of them. So he's, you know, he's well versed in the market, a lot of contacts and connections in the marketplace. And Miles, who is a, uh, you know, he's a uh, trust fund guy. He's, uh, he's He works with a lot of private wealth, a lot of private family wealth. They've got connections in the uh, United States, uh, Europe, um, uh, Brazil, actually. So he's kind of global. He's got some good global connections. Mm-hmm. Now to answer the question, will I bring on more directors? Yes, our intention is to bring on two more directors, but I want to get the revenue up further before I'm doing that. The company is to me too small to book, to justify uh, more than a five-person board. Mm-hmm. So we will get it up to, uh, you know, you know, I want to get it up to between 70 and 100 million. And then we're going to start thinking about uh, adding two more directors. Definitely a woman, and definitely for sure we'll add at least one female director. Uh, uh, you know, and try and get some. Uh, 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 that'll be definitely uh, part of my objectives. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Um, from 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 an investor standpoint, so us sort of sitting on the side of the fence. What what sort of catalysts or metrics do you think makes the most? Um, you know, is the most important for us to watch to determine how how you're performing. Well, actually, the, I guess there's two, which would be kind of revenue per, per customer because mm-hmm. or per location, because that's how we really measure how we're doing, how many, how many locations we've got and what are we generating in revenue. That's a pretty easy metric because you can divide the revenue by the number of locations we've got and just to see if it's going up or down or staying the same or what's happening to it. <clears throat> It'll stay pretty stable if, we're, if, if, if the majority of our business is kind of uh, gift cards, which it is today, it's not going to change a lot because we've kind of built it into that we know what it should be, and it is that. Uh, but as we start getting more and more of our business starts, we start adding um, uh, more clients that are using a platform. That number should start to grow, and mm-hmm. we expect it to grow. Uh, the other metric, which we are not, we cannot measure yet, uh, which we're going to start measuring. We're starting. To, we're putting systems in place to start measuring is uh, how many clients have we moved from one thing to another? In other words, how fast are we moving customers from a, uh, you know, from the first item that we sold them to the second item we sold them? Are we, how fast are we moving them from a $50 client up? You know, and how many are we doing that? Are we, are we getting per month that we're adding to this, to that metric? Those are important kind of, for me, growth metrics because it tells us that where our model's working. <clears throat> um, the other one for me that's important is my, uh, you know, kind of a payroll as a percentage of uh, gross profit. Because to me, we have to be careful that we're keeping our payroll in line with our gross profit so that uh, we're always going to be able to make our EBITDA. If I let that get out of control, then we can find ourselves and, uh, you know, all of a sudden before you know it, it's just eat, can eat up our profit pretty quickly if we let the payroll get out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, payroll is by far our biggest expense. <clears throat> no question about it. So we want to be able to keep that. Uh, everything else is pretty well fixed. Payroll, it can go up and down. It can vary widely. Um, you know, we, we want to hire people to build bank strength while we before we do acquisitions. The acquisitions may take a little longer than we expect, or we're, we're hiring more uh, bench strength in order to prepare for <clears throat> opening another territory or adding a you know uh, launching a new product. And it takes a little longer, you know. You just can't hire the people and hire them later. You gotta, but you build it up. You gotta build the expertise. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, as you asked me earlier, what's our biggest concern? My biggest biggest concern are people, 
And it all ties back to how many people do we need in order to be able to drive the business uh, profitably and, you know, and do it in such a way that uh, we don't, we don't get overcommitted there uh, that and it hurts our uh, profitability. Gotcha. Don, um, sort of, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sort of give a parting message or key takeaway. If, if, um, if there's one key thing you want everybody to walk away with today, as far as a message, what would that be? Well, GiveX to me is a, I, I guess you would call it a de-risked investment. It's a sort of investment that if people are going to invest in, in a company where they feel that they can put some money there and, and sit on it for you know, a while uh, and, let, and see it grow over time, uh, I think GiveX is the, is, the, is the company to do that with. <clears throat> if we, don't, we aren't doing it now and we probably won't do it for a while, but I paid dividends in GiveX for 10 years straight. So I got to the point where I wanted to, you know, we were making good enough money that we started paying dividends to our shareholders. So, you know, I'm not saying that GiveX is in a position to do that today, but it's certainly something that I would be interested in doing once we get, you know, up, we got to get to a certain size. We have to be comfortable with our, uh, you know, with our base of revenue and, and, the, and the cash flow that's being there. And then we'll probably look at doing that. So it becomes an investment that's kind of growing and at the same time could be a, a dividend uh, company. So it's, that, I mean, that's a very much speculative, and, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, as if I'm trying to give a message, it's that, you know, we're, we're a company that pays attention to our, to our bottom line, pays attention to our investors. Uh, we're trying as hard as we can now to pay attention to what's going on in the market, but we really don't have much control over what's going on there. I have control over those other two things, but I don't have a lot of control over what's going on in the market. That's, uh, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, listen, if, if investors wanted to know more about the business, uh, what's the best way to get more information, a website or contact? What, what, what would we, you have a, we have a whole investor relations uh, 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 section on our website that's got, uh, you know, as I do interviews and do uh, videos, they're all there. Uh, the, um, you know, the, I think that the analysts, not the report's not there, but who the analyst is, if you want to go follow what the analyst has to say, you can find, find him there. Uh, all of our current financial information is there. Um, so that, that's probably the best place to go. Plus the website is pretty good. We're, we're redoing our website overall to try and be more, um, you know, it needs a refresh. So, but the website and the investor relations uh, section on the website is, uh, is good. And of course, if you feel that your, 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 uh, your followers are interested in having a follow-up meeting, I'm more than happy to do that anytime you feel that would be uh, warranted. Fantastic. No, fantastic. No, we look, uh, certainly look forward to an update in the future. Um, so today we've been speaking with CEO Don Gray of GiveX Information Technology Group. Uh, G-I-V-X on the TSC um, or TS, uh, it, it is the TSX. Uh, yeah, yeah, TSX. I keep referring to the old TSC. So G-I-V-X yeah. on the TSC. Um, Don, I want to thank you one more time for joining us today. And, uh, you know, it'd be a pleasure to catch up with you in the future. Great. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your time. You got it. Appreciate it.